Welcome to this podcast from Riverside Church Whitstable. We hope you find it helpful and encouraging. If you would like to find out more information about us, why not check out our website at riversideuk.org, our Facebook page, or follow us on Twitter at Whit Riverside. So as Keely said, last week was our Vision Sunday. I really do encourage you to go and watch that if you missed it or tell people about it because really it encapsulated the heart and the vision of what we're about as a church, a real desire to make a difference in our community, in the lives of the people around us. And the projects that we're doing this Christmas, the, uh, the All Wrapped Up, is really going to make a massive difference in lots of people's lives. So if you missed that, hop on YouTube and go and watch um, what we did last week. There's a lot of content there. Well, I mentioned... Um, Briefly last week, the sense, this word that we felt from God, that we were a church that was to grow up in maturity. That was the word we felt God say to us. We were to be a church that matures in Jesus. And I want to spend a little bit of time this morning unpacking what that means and what it looks like to be a church that matures. Last week, we had a quick look at this um, extract from Ephesians. Paul writing to the church at Ephesus says this, speaking the truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And so Paul's using the imagery of a human body here to try and portray a vision for the church, how the church is related to Christ and how the church is related to each other. And for Paul, he's using the human body because in the human body, every part is connected to the other part. The human body works together because all the different parts work together and every part has a part to play, a unique part to play. But Paul's vision also encompasses this sense of maturity that as a church, we will grow up into all that God has for us. We wouldn't be immature as people and as a church. We would grow up into all the things that God has for us in Christ. And he sees Christ very much as the head of the church, that the, the, the body is, is, is kind of controlled and steered and organized by Jesus, the head. And what do you think of when you think of the concept of maturity? Maturity. A dictionary definition of maturity will be something that's fully grown or something that's reached the end of an advanced process. It's come to conclusion. Maturity is the result of something maturing, an outcome of this process. And we think about children maturing up into adults. Maybe we think about uh, like a plant or a sapling maturing into a tree. Or maybe you think about a wine maturing into something that's really tasty and drinkable over the years. And all these things take time, take time to mature. So we could just think maturity is about age. So the older you are, the more mature you are. <laughs> I've met some pretty immature older people, to be honest. Um, I don't think maturity just has to do with age. As things get older, they don't necessarily get more mature, unless they're cheese, which d- definitely does get more mature and smellier as it gets older. But... Time doesn't necessarily mean that something is going to mature in the right way. Maturity isn't just about how long something's existed for. It's got a different kind of quality. And I mentioned last week that a church community could be around for a long time, 
could also grow numerically, but never actually mature into the things of Christ fully, never fully grow up into the potential that Jesus as the head of the body has for that church or that congregation. So age and size do not automatically equal maturity. And that's Paul's point in this letter as he writes to the church at Ephesus. He has a vision for this church and every church that he's involved in to grow up in maturity, not just grow numerically or grow over time, but grow up in maturity into the things of Christ. So what might maturity look like for us? What might maturity look like for us personally and as a church? We want to begin to unpack this over the next few weeks. But I was interested what Google had to say about maturity. You know, what, what are some of the characteristics that the internet would say go alongside a mature person? So I, I sort of compiled a bit of a list of the biggest, uh, the most, most sort of the biggest hits that I found on Google. So see if any of these resonate with you as we go through this morning. So a mature person. Well, the highest thing that came out was a mature person takes responsibility for their actions. No one's told the government about this, but I'm sure it will trickle up <laughs> at some point. That's as political as I get today. But it's endemic of a culture that we live in where it's easier to shift the blame onto somebody else, isn't it? Rather than take responsibility for the choices and the actions that you've made or I've made, it's much easier to move that on to somebody else and say it's a consequence of somebody else. And we, we're very good at the moment in our Western culture of moving the blame around and not answering the question or responding to the actual consequences of our actions. But it, the internet would tell us that maturity means that we take responsibility for the choices that we make. So a, a mature person understands that what they do and what they don't do has consequences. And they're willing to take personal responsibility for those choices, those consequences. And rather than try and blame someone else or, or, or pin the outcome on someone else, they say, actually, no, that is a consequence of what I've done or what I've not done. And so maturity seems to be around taking responsibility, even when things don't work out as well as they should do, taking responsibility for mistakes and not trying to cover them up or pin them on somebody else. Anybody who's been involved in raising children will know one of the key things you have to do is trying to get a child to understand the consequences of their choices. If they do that, then this will happen. If they don't do that, then this will happen. And so you're trying to get the child to mature into understanding that having responsibility for your choices is really, really important as you grow in maturity. So how do you feel about this one? When's the last time you held your hand and said, yep, that was me, I did that? Or did you feel the temptation to try and move that onto somebody else, try and move the, 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 the result, the consequence, onto somebody else? Because it is endemic in our culture. We're surrounded by a culture that does not want to answer the question, does not want to take responsibility, wants to move it onto somebody else as quickly as possible. Have you ever been tempted to blame somebody else for an outcome? Nobody has. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he doesn't look at me this morning. <laughs> you see, I think as we go through this list, we'll all find some things that actually I'm not as mature in that area as I'd like to be. You know, and that's the whole point. We're called to grow up 
immaturity. So I'm, you're not, I don't want to get to the end of the list and go, yep, I've ticked all those off. We'd all sense some, some areas of lack in our lives and where there's temptation or, or we've, uh, we've seen that actually the maturity that we hope we are hasn't really expressed itself fully in our lives. So there might be something this morning that you need to own. You know, you might have made a choice, you might have done something, or you might have not done something, and the consequences of that, you need to actually say that, well, that was me. I need to own that and recognise that and, uh, and uh, be responsible for the consequences. So a mature person takes responsibility for their actions. A mature person has emotional insight. This came really high as well. And this is all about understanding what you're feeling, understanding what you're feeling and why you're feeling it. And as we grow in maturity, we get better at managing our emotions. We get better at understanding uh, what we're feeling and what's going on inside. And again, I'm sure many of us at this point feel maybe slightly immature because sometimes we realise that actually we're ruled by our emotions. Things happen to us and our emotions rise up and take over. And we become emotionally led people rather than rational people. And it's very hard in the midst of feeling something very strongly to step back and be objective because the emotions come to the fore and we feel, we feel you know, justified in, in reacting maybe disproportionately to something that's happened to us. We've all got our triggers, haven't we? Different things trigger us. And, um, and when certain things happen to us, maybe because of our past or things have happened to us in the past or the way we've been raised or certain things, when certain things happen, they trigger us and we get an emotionally disproportionate response. We're led by our emotions and we begin to emotionally reason rather than be objective about what's going on. But if we're going to grow in maturity as individuals, then we need to get better at looking inside and going, why am I feeling that? You know, why am I feeling that so strongly? What's going on? What's actually happening? We lift the kind of bonnet of the car and we have a quick look at the engine and say, what's actually going on inside here? Why am I reacting so strongly? And we get better. We gain more insight about our emotions as we mature. And then we learn to regulate ourselves, which means we don't, we're not so emotionally driven. We can basically bring our emotions under control and actually manage them better. And again, you, you see a lot of people in life who just never got anywhere close to this. They're just emotionally led, emotionally driven because they've got these triggers and they just, they just go off on one when certain things happen. And sometimes you're picking up unpaid bills because you're on the receiving end of that emotional response. So to grow in maturity is to really get to grips with our emotions. And we need to do that. We need to do that. And often we're not very good at it. Uh, and I don't want to be you know, stereotypical. Men particularly aren't very good at their emotions because we tend to kind of think, well, you know, we'll, we'll save those for another day. You know, we... But you see men who react strongly about certain things and you know there's a trigger point there in their emotions, but they haven't yet had the time or the maybe motivation to go inside and figure out what's actually going on. But to grow in maturity is to grow in emotional insight. This next one I found really interesting. A mature person puts into practice what they learn. And you might begin to see already there's a correlation between some of the teachings of Jesus and what we're finding the internet tells us. There's a correlation building here between how Jesus would have defined maturity and how Google defines maturity. Over a couple of weeks ago, Jacob talked about the story that Jesus told at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. He told this sort of closing piece about the wise man and the foolish man, didn't he? The wise man built his house upon the rock and the foolish man built his house upon the sand. And when the storms came... 
the foolish man's house got washed away, but the wise man's house stood firm. How did he find the wise man? He said, well, the wise man is the one who hears my words and puts them into practice. The wise man is the one who hears my words and puts them into practice, Matthew 7. So maturity seems to be also linked to how do we take life's experiences and the things that we learn and we apply them to our lives and we put them into practice. That seems to be the wise thing to do. Jesus tells it's wise and Google tells it's wise, so it must be wise that somehow we put these things into practice. But you could come to church for Sunday after Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and hear us rattling on about stuff and never put any of it into practice. You could choose just to listen and never apply any of it to your own life. But you wouldn't be maturing. You wouldn't be maturing just by coming to church, just by being a regular attender, because maturing in this way has to do with the application of what you learn. And so the wise thing to do, to grow in wisdom, is to take a teaching or an insight or an experience and say, how can I put this in my store cupboard so basically, and apply it to my life and actually bring it out for later use. I had a friend of mine who's a GP in Birmingham, and he said when he was being trained to be a GP, and then he went on to become a, a GP trainer, one of the key things he had to teach young doctors about was what he called pattern recognition. So when someone came into the surgery, remember those days? No, um, um, <laughs> sorry, sorry, that was too close. Um, Someone came into the surgery and they presented with some symptoms. Uh, it was the doctor's job to build a picture of what they were saying and then, aha, I can basically, I can diagnose that that equals that or that equals that. They were building up what's called pattern recognition based upon the things that were presenting because the person might not always be the best at describing their symptoms, but the doctor's experience meant they had enough stored up wisdom to say, actually, yeah, well, I think probably you've got this and I can treat you accordingly. They, they had enough cues to basically recognise how to deal with the situation appropriately. Have a quick look at this picture. What do you see? Two triangles. You see maybe a white outline triangle and you see a black outline triangle. Question, is the black triangle really there? Because if I take away the blobs, where's it gone? Is the black triangle really there? No. The black triangle is being built by your brain because the, the circles in the corners are giving your brain visual cues and you fill in the blanks. You create the triangle in the middle. You create it. And you could equally say that your brain creates the white triangle. Your brain has enough information, enough visual cues to fill in the gaps. Those circles trick our mind into thinking there's actually a triangle present. Growing in wisdom is a bit like growing what our brain has done there. It's learned, it's seen enough triangles over, over the, all the years you're in school, seen enough triangles to know what a triangle looks like, and so it builds a triangle from the information it has, from the storehouse of wisdom that it's gained around shapes. What Jesus is saying, basically, is to be wise, is to take my teaching and apply it to life, and basically build those that information, that storehouse of information and wisdom. So when life presents you with a situation, you go, ah, ah, now remember Jesus spoke about this. I know how to deal with this wisdom 
with wisdom and I could deal with this in a godly way. You've built up the experience and you've applied it to your life. The next time life throws something at you really hard and difficult, you've got the storehouse to fall back on because you've applied Jesus' wisdom to your life. And you don't get caught out because you've got this storehouse of wisdom. You've applied it to your life. And you go, how can I best deal with this situation in a godly way? How can I best apply Jesus' principles to this situation? And so the hallmarks of maturity seem to be all about putting into practice what you learn. So what's the last thing that you learn you put into practice? You might have an aha moment. You thought, actually, no, I'm going to apply that to my life. But what can happen, you see, you have the aha moment, and then 10 minutes later, you're having a coffee, and it's gone. <laughs> you think, what was that thing I was supposed to apply to my life? It's gone. And Jesus said, it's a bit like seed that falls in different places, didn't he? The sower goes out, he throws the seed down, some seed falls on good soil, some falls on a path, some falls on rocky ground, some falls in the brambles. And he says, things come along, and, and, they, and they spoil the seed. The birds nick the seed. The seed doesn't get a root. You know, the brambles choke it. All these things happen around the kingdom of God. But the seed that falls on good soil, you know, it germinates and it grows and produces a crop. And, that, and one of the key things about being a disciple of Jesus is, is grabbing the seed and making sure it falls into the right soil. So if, if something happens to you and you, th- you have an aha moment with God and you think, oh, I really need to apply it to my life, you've got to make sure that seed is, is captured and put into good soil. Because I guarantee otherwise it will be lost or it will be choked or it will, it will get stolen away. And so key part of maturity, guys, is really applying and putting into practice what we learn as the Holy Spirit prompts us day in, day out. How do we apply that to our lives? Because if not, we're just going around the same mountain over and over and over again. And we're facing the same problems in the same way over and over and over again. Because we're not applying what Jesus tells us to do. Become like a wise man. So when you face, Jesus didn't just say, the wise man built his house on the rock and the foolish man built his house on the sand and there we go. He said, because when the storms come, that house will stand and that house will fall. And the difference is this man applied these things to my life, his life and this man didn't. They both heard the same stuff. It was the application that made the difference. So it seems that putting into practice what we learn is a hallmark of maturity. A mature person considers other people. Again, a really interesting one here. We see again maybe a resonance between what the words of Jesus and what Google says. A mature person considers other people. They recognise that they don't exist independently, that their actions have consequences on the people around them. A mature person doesn't try to control or manipulate other people. A mature person understands the influence they have on other people for good or for bad. And so they act considerately. And again, this has got echoes of our Outward series, hasn't it, we recently did. A life turned outward is a life that thinks about other people and thinks about God. So how do you score there in terms of your maturity? How do you think about the consequence of your actions on other people? and how you impact them and by what you do or what you don't do. A mature person can harness negative experiences to strengthen themselves. Again, a really fascinating characteristic. So a mature person can take the stuff that life throws at them, the negative experiences, and rather than become bitter, 
they become better. They apply it and say, actually, I can use this experience to strengthen me and give me emotional resilience for the next thing that comes along. Our next sermon series is provocatively titled, Grow Up. (laughs) We're going to be studying the book of James over the next uh, five weeks. And uh, one of the key themes in the book of James is this sense that he says, actually, that the tough things that happen to you can actually mature your faith. All the negative things that life throws at you can actually create a resilience and a capacity and a trust in God, and they can help mature your faith. It's one of the key things we see throughout this letter as we explore it over the next five weeks. How do you handle negative experiences? How do you handle them? Do you just get entrenched in bitterness and negativity? Or do you think about, what can I learn from this? What can I apply from this? What can I take forward from this? What has this experience taught me about myself, about God, about the way I relate to other people? What do you do with that experience? Because the Bible would tell us if we can take those experiences in a positive way, they can build resilience and capacity in us for the future. They can help us mature. And this was the wisdom of James some 2,000 years ago, and Google today is still telling us the same thing. Isn't that great? A mature person can handle negative experiences. A mature person knows how to mutually collaborate with other people. Again, really interesting. Paul said that the body matures as each part does its work. There's a collaboration taking place between people. And that's very much the essence of what is described here. Mature people realize they, they don't exist on their own. In fact, they can't exist on their own. They're called to exist alongside other people and use their different gifts and talents and uniquenesses to collaborate together. We've all got our part to play. We've all got the thing that we can bring. And so maturity doesn't mean we live self-sufficiently. We can live self-sufficiently, but we choose to live not selfishly. We choose to collaborate with other people. We look for ways to connect and to mutually serve and to build people up. So maturity is knowing that together is better, knowing that actually as we work together, as we stay connected, as we grow together, that's better. And so, again, we see echoes of Paul's writings here. A mature person cares for themselves. I thought this was really, really interesting. How is your self-care? How, are you, how good are you at looking after yourself? Hmm? Not, a lot of, not a lot of yes out there. I was thinking... You know, self-care is really important. Soul care is really important. What do you do to make sure that you pay attention to your needs? What do you do to make sure that you replenish yourself? What do you do to actually help you stay healthy and strong? Really, really important in maturity because no one knows you like you know you. You know how you're wired. You know your uniquenesses. And so you know the, the things that are important to you. What brings you joy? Have you asked yourself that question? What brings you joy? Again, the perplexity is amazing. (laughs) What does bring me joy? Um, You know, what really touches you and makes you joyful? That's the easy answer, but we'll go with that one. But we're all wired uniquely. We're all, I, I love problem solving. So if I, I've re- I was recently asked to, to pick up, I pick locks for a hobby, by the way. Don't worry, you're all safe. <laughs> I learned it in lockdown, lockdown, lock picker. Um, 
And, uh, and Phil, bless him, had an old post box that he couldn't get open. He asked me to open it. So I went and picked it open for him. And that brought me great joy because it was the problem-solving aspect of that. That's me. A bit weird, I know. But what, what brings you joy? What do you do that brings you joy? What's important to you for self-care? What do you do to actually replenish your soul or to respond to the way God's wired you? Because you're all different. You're all unique. And, uh, and different things will bring you joy, depending on how you're wired and, and how you're made. And paying attention to that and inviting Jesus into that is really, really important because you need to find places where your soul can find rest and replenishment. And we're not all the same. We're not all wired the same. So for some person, it might be a walk on the beach. For another person, it might be playing a musical instrument. For another person, it might be reading a book. It doesn't matter. What brings you joy? What's important for your soul replenishment? Because being mature means you're recognising and being aware of those needs and you're paying attention to them. And the last one on my list is a mature person fills their obligations. So maturity has something to do with dependability. You know, if you say you're going to do something, then you actually, you do it. That's part of growing in maturity. And you try not to abdicate the things that you alone are responsible for. There are certain things in your life that you can't abdicate. If you're a husband today, you can't abdicate being a husband. If you're a father today, you can't abdicate being a father. You can't abdicate being a son or a daughter. You can't give certain things away. There are certain things only you can do. And maturity is recognising what those things are and recognising the obligations that go with them and paying attention to them. So this is all about being trustworthy. Do people look at you and think, that's a trustworthy person. If they say they're going to do something, that they'll do it. They'll follow through uh, on what they say they're going to do. So, how do you think you scored... <laughs> I thought it was quite an insightful list that got put together there but I love the resonance between that list and what we see in the scriptures what we see in the gospels what we see in the life of Jesus encouraging you and I into maturity should we be surprised there's a resonance between those two things I don't think so because Jesus said I came to bring life and bring it to the full Jesus leads you and I into fullness of life and really the internet is just catching up isn't it it's catching up on the fullness of life that Jesus uh, encouraged us to, to come into as we, as we walk with him, as we follow him, as we receive him into our lives. If Jesus is present in our lives, then you and I should be growing up into maturity, individually and collectively. And hopefully people can look at us and recognise some of the hallmarks of maturity. They can look at you and look at me and go, I see that person is a mature person. I see some of these traits present in their life. And that's a key part of what it means to be a witness, doesn't it? Jesus said, you'll be my witness to the end of the earth. It didn't mean you'll just carry information. It means that you'll, you'll live out what it looks like to be a person who's in relationship with God. So there'll be things present in your life, hallmarks, if you like, that people will be able to look at and recognise and say, that person seems to be somebody who's living life to the full, somebody who's really walking in maturity. What's different there? What's going on there? They're not being shaped by a culture. They're actually counterculture in the way they live their lives this all is to do with partnering with the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives Jesus is described as the head and we're described as the body the church is the body and Jesus is the head 
we're mature because we're connected to Jesus. We can't be like this guy. <laughs> the brilliant Julian Duffin there doing his headless man prank. But that's often how we act. We act like headless people. We, we disconnect ourselves from the head of Jesus as the body. We don't realise that we have to maintain that connection to do anything meaningful, to do anything really that is important. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. If you disconnect yourself from me, you're literally as, as random as a headless body walking around. We can't do nothing really of any consequence. It's that ongoing flow between the head and the body that's so, so important if you and I are going to mature as people of God. Do you think about Jesus in the week? Do you think, I mean, maybe think about that in the week. You know, am I being a headless body at the moment in this situation, in this job, in this place I find myself? Have I forgotten that Jesus is the head? It's that ongoing flow that allows the goodness and love of God into our lives that maintains our ability to act differently, to act and grow in maturity. We're joined to the head and we're joined to each other. In another part of scripture, when Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says, you can't be an eye on your own, you can't be an ear on your own, you can't just be a foot or a hand flopping around the floor. You have to be joined together as a body to be meaningful. And when you and I follow Jesus, we're not only joined to the head, we're joined to each other. Whether you realise it or not today, you are grafted into each other. Because that's what Jesus tells us. We're grafted together and we're grafted to the head. And both those connections are really, really important. And that's what we said last week. The choice to stay connected, particularly in this time, is really, really important. In Hebrews 10, you know, 60 years after the birth of the church actually more like 30 years after the birth of church, 60 years after the birth of Christ, the writer said, you know, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Already, a few decades on, the church is fragmenting and pulling apart and losing that connection to each other. So the writer says, do not give up meeting together, but rather spur one another on towards love and good deeds. The connection that we have with each other is as important as the connection we have with Christ because together we spur one another another on towards love and good deeds. If we separate, then we lose, that, we lose that impetus, we lose that desire to stay close to Christ. And so maturity is about recognising we're joined to Christ and we're joined to each other. And that's why Paul's vision focuses on these things we talked about last week. To be a mature church is to fix our eyes and hearts on Jesus, to deepen our relationships with each other and with him to recognise we're connected and we're supporting one another through those connections in love. And each part is playing its part. You have a unique part to play in the life of the body. You have a unique part to play in the life of Riverside Church. And this imagery that Paul uses is so important and so evocative because it shows the body cannot exist without a head. The body cannot exist as separate pieces. It's all joined and connected together in Christ. So next week we're going to start this series. James is a small book. 
It's only five chapters. Maybe you want to read through this book with us as we do that. It's a very uh, to-the-point book. And uh, hopefully, as we study this book together, we'll be growing in maturity, responding to the words that we feel God is saying to us for the next season. But maybe do a bit of an inventory and think about what area do I want to see growth in? What area do I want to see maturity increase in in my life? Because you know yourself better than anybody else knows you. Where would you like to invite the Holy Spirit to come and partner with you in growing in maturity in your life? If you're able, why don't you stand with me? I'm going to invite the worship band to come back. Let's have a moment and think about, you know, what's the Holy Spirit said to you today? What of those things really resonated with you? What is the area of maturity that Jesus wants to call forth in your life? Holy Spirit, we invite you now to come and speak to us, Lord. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to contact us about this talk, to hear more or to find out about Riverside Church Whitstable, then visit our website at riversideuk.org. Also, you can contact us through our Facebook page or tweet us at Whit Riverside.